You talk dirty to me. The Quick and the Dirty with Hillary and Sandra. You're kidding me. You're things that I have put in my mouth. Uh, oh my God, Hillary. <laughs> it's what everyone is talking about. Get jazzy on. I'm Hillary from London. And I'm Sandra from Ottawa. And welcome to the Quick and the Dirty podcast. It's basically all the stuff you talk about with your friends, except we record it, post it online, and we all laugh and cry together about how awful people we are. Mostly we cry, though. Let's be honest. (laughs) So many tears. We usually have amazing guests on the podcast, but the reality is, Sandra, I haven't spoken to you in two weeks. We have a lot of stuff to catch up on. I know. By the way, I missed you so much. I don't know what it is. Mondays don't feel the same without talking to you. I I feel the same way. And I apparently some of our listeners to the quick and the dirty felt the same way when we re-released a podcast last week. Yeah, I I received thousands and thousands of emails wondering where the new episode was. And when I say thousands, I mean two. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But it still felt special. Uh, A couple of tweets and some Facebook messages as well. Yeah, it it felt good knowing you, the quick and the dirty podcast listeners, actually like we're excited about the release of the podcast and then disappointed when you didn't get the new one. So uh, I will pledge to you that I will work a little bit harder. No, I probably won't. (laughs) Never mind. Forget the pledge. I'm already out. Sorry, I was traveling. I was traveling last week. So that's basically why it's all on me, honestly. But, you know, I'd feel bad about people being disappointed, but it's become such a regular thing in my life. I'm over it. <laughs> being disappointed? Having people be disappointed in me, yes. Oh, honey. No, <laughs> that's so not true because now you are an award-winning singer. How could anyone be disappointed in you? Oh, you had to bring that up. Okay, well, let's bring it up right now with the Quick Hills. <laughs> let's do it. Tell everybody what you did last, what happened this week. Uh, I was nominated in the town that I live in. I live in London, Ontario, and I was nominated for Jazz Vocalist of the Year for the Jack Richardson London Music Awards, and I actually won, but it was the saddest award that I have ever won. Okay, first of all, I haven't even had a chance to congratulate you. I saw it on Facebook, and you look so... You know what? You don't even look joyful in the picture. You look just like you you cried almost. Like you were stunned in the picture that you won. Sandra, I had no idea I was going to win. I didn't even plan to go to the award show, except the organizer called me at the last minute and said it was, you know, he'd like to see me there because he'd like to meet me. Oh, so you're and like, so, all right. Well, it was a Sunday night. We have to wake up early in the morning. You know, it wasn't really on my to-do list because I've... I didn't think I was going to win. And then they called my name and I had to pull a acceptance speech out of my butt. <laughs> I, I, so you were there alone? I, I didn't think I was going to win. But my boyfriend, I told him not to bother coming because it was just, you know, it's not really his thing. And I, I was just going to be respectful to the organization. And uh, there was another woman in my category who performed at the awards. I assumed that she would have won. Also, I've only lived in London for three years, so I did not expect this at all. Can we just talk about the moment that you won and you had nobody to kiss? <laughs> Everybody looks for the person who's like standing up and hugging their family. And I'm with like two strangers. I met some very nice people. I could have hugged the guy next to me, but his girlfriend, who was very attractive, probably would have been upset. <laughs> so or did like you, whatever. Did who's you, this girl? Did you stand up and go, ah, like, tell, talk me through Hillary winning an award. What's that like? I totally Taylor Swifted it. <laughs> <laughs> that like <gasps> oh. the hands on the chest 
mouth open. Amazing. I I actually call that an Anne Hathaway, to be honest with you. Excellent. Very the breathy acceptance speech. Uh, Yeah. So who did you actually thank? Or did you go like, I have no one to thank but myself because it's all (gasps) me. And I'm here alone because nobody supports me. (laughs) To be honest, I didn't even tell my parents that I was nominated. Oh, my God. And then you (laughs) called them up and told them you won an award they didn't know you were nominated for. Yeah, I I haven't called them yet. I just got to know, who did you thank? (laughs) I thanked uh, a saxophone player in town who I actually randomly did a a gig here years and years and years ago before I lived here. And he hooked me up with all the people I play with now. And I thank my big band because I I sing with a big band. And I thanked a local journalist, James Rainey, who helped promote me when I first got to town. So, you know, that's like the family and the, the partner. I use the word partner and I'm kind of regretting it now. Not that it really matters, but I figure everybody thinks that I I, I might have a, a female partner. And I do, in fact, date a guy with a very large beard. <laughs> Got it. Noted. Right. More importantly, where are you going to put the award? Uh, I'm afraid to move it because it's very sharp and glass and I'm klutzy. So we don't need a headline Local singer Hillary Welch impales self with glass ornament. But if you're going to die, come on, that's the way to do it. Like that is <laughs> the way imagine? to go. Yeah. You know what I realized? I'm going to keep it somewhere close by because it's a great murder tool. <laughs> because whenever you see those movies, those murder mystery movies or CSI, someone always gets hit over the head with an award. Right. Or like Dallas. Remember Dallas? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my God. That is so true. But that's the first. If I was a CSI investigator, the first right. thing I would do is swab all the awards <laughs> and I would know right away. Well, because it's heavy and it's sharp. And yeah. And it's also. So, yeah. So keep it nearby. That's very good in case some <laughs> intruder enters your home. You can kill them with your unexpected trophy. Yeah. Don't get uh, Biachi at me in my house because that, that award's coming for you, Sandra. <laughs> I will cut you with this glass <laughs> award. Just such a soap opera thing. I absolutely. Uh, can, Hillary, congratulations. That must have felt really good. Uh, it felt really odd. And I'm still not really sure what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or did so, you think I just have to quickly ask, um, did you say it was an honor just to be nominated? <laughs> I I actually I thanked all the other people in the category because I'm a classy. B. You are. You are. Uh, and I congratulated the woman who performed and said that her performance was inspiring, which it was. Right. But the, but you did beat her. Yeah. <laughs> it felt kind of bad. Sorry. You sing really great, but I'm clearly better. <laughs> no. That or wasn't. more people like me. Because <laughs> it was uh, a voting thing. I won, the, I won my very first popularity contest, Sandra. I know. I'm so... Oh, honey. Honey. I wish I could have seen the looks on the losers' faces, because that's always my favorite part of every award show. You know that about me. Well, yeah. And I've been a loser my whole life. Oh, honey. Like, were... This is amazing. I just I just realized I'm popular. You are. You are. So there's no part of you that actually believes you're the best singer? No. You just think that you have enough people who do who are willing to vote for you. Right. To say you're the best singer. And that's good enough for me. Yeah, me too. Time to move on. Yeah. Good. Well, congratulations, Hills. I'm excited that I'm doing a podcast with an award-winning singer. That's something. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> so tell me about your big trip. The reason why I didn't get to talk to you last week. I blame, blame your husband. Oh, I blame him for everything, too. So it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's funny because a lot of people, I actually got notes on Instagram uh, from people saying, OK, we have to know 
did you or did you guys not have the big family fight that you always have before the trip? Right, because right before you left, we talked about it as part of your quick here on the Quick and the Dirty podcast that your family has an epic blowout on every family vacation. Right, that's right. The day we left, which uh, was a Thursday, we were going to the airport, whatever. It was actually little irritating things happened, but we did not have a big family blowout fight that day. Instead, we bickered for the next four days. So it was a slow build. Was there finally like Hiroshima? We almost took down an airplane on the way home <laughs> with an incident that I thought Can they we were... forever call it the incident? The incident. <laughs> it was so embarrassing that my children were so poorly behaved that I honestly thought there was a moment that they would divert the plane and I would be one of those people that would be read about in the news about some incident on board an Air Canada plane or whatever. Right. So what happened? Break it down for me. Uh, you know, it was it was four days of not sleeping, being exhausted. We took the red eye home from L.A. to Toronto. And I guess I didn't judge what a toll that would take on the kids, teenagers who are used to sleeping a lot. Right. Right. So we're on the plane and everybody is just being bitchy. Like we're all getting like we're tired. We're bitchy. I, my nerves had were shot from dealing with all the bickering the whole four days. Close proximity. Uh, my 16 year old was grumpy. My 14 year old, I will say this was a delight the entire time. And this this was the only incident for him the entire time. Oh, okay. So they fell. There's there. They they were sitting with their dad across from me. I don't even sit with them. And uh the my 14 year old woke up from his slumber he fell asleep he woke up he lost his phone now obviously the plane has not swallowed the phone right the the phone is somewhere on like probably under his seat it's not a big deal but because he was things move during takeoff sure so he he'd fallen asleep he wakes up he got confused he starts panicking about his phone and he starts trying to get under the seat and he starts shaking the, he was panicking. So he starts shaking the seat in front of him. Where's my phone? Where's my phone? Where's my phone? And I had to get up and say, okay, you get out of the aisle, get onto the aisle. You get out of the aisle. I'll go under and look for it. But there was just panic ensuing and everybody on the plane was sleeping, but not, not anymore, Hillary, not anymore. We woke up an entire plane full because I looked around and I saw everybody was watching us. And then I finally, but the, you know, when people are panicking, you just can't get them calmed down quick enough. Right. I found the phone in two seconds flat, uh, not before everybody was screaming at the top of their lungs in my family. I got them seated again. The stewardess came up to me and she's like, um, do you want some wine? And I said, uh, no, I'm like, she goes, honey, it's on me. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> no way. Yeah. She was like, I, she just looked at me like she felt bad for me. I said, they're usually much better behaved. And she looked at me like, are they? <laughs> Well, when it comes to technology, we're so obsessed. It's true. But it was so they I just can't even explain to you how panicked they became. And then one started yelling at the other. And then they they were screaming. They were screaming at the top of their lungs on an airplane. This is air rage plane diversion material. You know what I mean? A ruckus, if you will. So anyway, it was okay. It was okay in the end. And the flight attendant realized it was just cranky teenagers more than anything. Did you take the wine? 
Yeah, of course. <laughs> Aren't you, honey? You're so precious. You don't kick a gift horse in the wine glass. You know? <laughs> oh, I took that wine and I chugged it like nobody's business. But I was, <laughs> I was so embarrassed, and I let my kids have it when we landed. I said, "It's one thing to embarrass me along the way among strangers, and I have a way to get out of it. It's another thing to embarrass us, yourselves, and me on an airplane where there's nowhere to run and there's nowhere to hide. And for the next five hours, I'm stuck there, being stared at and judged. That." to me was where I drew the line like I was but so nobody angry knew who you were like it's not you weren't in Ottawa no I where wasn't. people recognize you yeah they know I'm a bad mother in Ottawa I thought I could fake it in other parts <laughs> of the world but I just looked like a mother I looked like a mom who had two very poorly behaved teenagers and had lost control and it was just I I just was deeply deeply embarrassed I was so embarrassed. You, I guess you had to be there to see how poorly I handled it, too. Because So are you going to reevaluate going on trips with your kids? Yeah, we told our oldest, you're never coming back. That is never happening. You're never coming with us again because you're so cranky and you hate traveling. You can't. You don't have the temperament for it. He agreed. So uh, now when we do our baseball, you know, stadium tour, we'll go with the 14 year old. He's OK for now anyway. Uh, so it'll just be a threesome. <laughs> I can't handle the four- I can't handle 16 year olds. So, so yeah. how are you going to trust a 16 year old at home alone? Oh, that's another issue entirely, Hillary. That's where the grandparents get involved. And then we put recording devices in the house. Oh, I got it all worked out so rogers has that home monitoring that's amazing i need that i need that in my life i I need that in my life and i or or i'll ship them off to boarding school because now i'm at that point where i i can't believe that you know everybody has that switch when you realize you're being embarrassing you stop Mm -hmm. they don't and that's why we run into problems as a family because one of us doesn't have that switch and is always willing to escalate it and the rest of us know and when to stop. that one switches. It's not always the same one. That's exactly right. I just, and I'm pretty good about not caring what people think, especially strangers. But this was so different because I was trapped on a plane and I had those eyes staring into me and I was tired and cranky and had been, well, four, because you know? we've all been that person looking <sighs> at the other people saying, come on. I know. And I, they, they were crying babies on the plane. And I'm thinking, why don't we yell at those people? What are you looking at me for? <laughs> Because they don't know better. <laughs> That's exactly right. You just need to get, remember when you were a kid and you had mittens and your mom would make you a dummy string for them? Yeah, of course. I still have you that. You need to do that with the cell phones. <laughs> yes, agreed. Through the coat. <laughs> Through the coat and just attach it to, or put some kind of a suction device on them. I'll figure it out, Hillary. It just, I don't have a good memory of that plane ride home. And I was worried that it would sully <laughs> and otherwise very decent. Like it was good. We had great moments too. Really great moments as a family. But we had, there were some dark days as well. Can't now lie. tell me a little bit more about this trip. It all stems out of your husband's bucket list because he's turning 50, right? Yes, he is. I'm sleeping with an old man. Uh, sorry to everybody who's 50, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I'm, just trying to, I'm just trying to disassociate myself from that age because I will never turn 50. Right. Uh, as you know. 29 forever. Well, uh, you know what, Hillary? Let me, let me just address that for a second. I don't do that. And I don't do 39 forever because when you say, oh, I'm 39, you know that you're lying. So I go one of two ways. I either say that I'm 42, 
which because nobody <laughs> lies about being 42. Or my new thing is that I go high. When people say, how old are you? I say, oh, I'm 64. And they'll be like, God, you look good. I'll be like, oh, thanks. <laughs> so that's another way. I'm just saying. <laughs> but eventually you'll actually be 64. But then I'll have probably by then a whole new group of friends because, you right. know, there's a pretty high turnaround in my will life. Have passed away. <laughs> probably. And then I can, my new friends will think I'm like, you know, 40. That's when I'll really get into it. I'm just saying it's a, it's a tactic. Every five years, I change my tactic. But back to the bucket list. When I do turn 50, but never really, I have a bucket list of my own. Really? I have a bucket list as well. Oh, my God. What's OK? Give me one on yours. Uh, to stop being so hard on myself. Mine are mostly self-actualizing. Uh, Say that you. Want- I'm really hard on myself. I know that about you. So my goal is to not be hard on myself by the time I'm 50. I'm, I'm, I want to get to the point where you don't give a crap about anything because well, older people tend to get there somehow. That's right. You stop sweating the small stuff. There's no it's two my way. dream. Yeah. yeah. It's to stop sweating the small stuff. So you do sweat the small stuff is what you're saying. 100%. And then what do you do? You just you just wish you would have done it differently. I either I go back, reevaluate social situations, always second guessing that stuff because I'm a loud mouth, which gets you in trouble when you're also an insecure loud mouth. <laughs> oh, really? That's shocking that you're a loud mouth. <laughs> yeah. But well, you know, as a loud mouth, you know, there's always repercussions to being one. Right. Except mine lost. And I, I, I tend to <laughs> fixate on things a lot. OK, so but you are not willing to change your loud mouth behavior. No, because I, I'm i not ashamed that I'm a loud mouth. I just wish that I cared less ab- about saying offensive things. That's fair. I want to be offensive and not care. <laughs> That's my, my true goal in life. Yeah. Well, then my advice to you is to not care. But you can't just do that. Uh, you can if you look at it differently. Then don't care about your plane ride there. Okay. <laughs> As time passes, I do care less and less and less. I need another right. week and then I won't even be talking about it. But yeah, you're right. You're you're absolutely right. Sometimes when you're in a moment, you take it personally and then you amplify it. And that's where things go awry. But ultimately, I learned this lesson a long time ago is that most people just don't care about you. They care about themselves. So right. where you're sitting there obsessing and obsessing about what you did, you're the only one doing that. And when mm-hmm. you when you realize that, then you start caring a lot less because you right. realize it's not on anybody else's radar except yours. OK, so back to the bucket list. Oh, the yes. other thing on my bucket list is I would like to have a wedding ring on my finger by the time I'm 50. <laughs> uh, you're not even 40. I thought I for sure thought you were going to say 40. <laughs> no, there's really... no hope for that. <laughs> Are you serious? I thought there would be no pressure in the year. No way. Or at least a proposal. Uh, you don't uh, think so? No, no. Okay. Uh, I, I, so now I, you're going, going another I'm 10? I'm setting realistic expectations. 50. <laughs> 50. You want to be married by the time you're 50. Why do you need to be married? I don't know why it's important to me. It just is. Is it because you want to have your day with the ceremony and your friends and a party? Is that part of it? No, I think it's also that I've given up hope on so many other of life's landmarks that I was hoping to <laughs> achieve. Want- <laughs> There's only a few left. There's just one stupid thing that you want is just it's like, why can't I just want this? You want the right 
to be miserable like the rest of us married people. <laughs> exactly. God love I'm you, I'm hoping Hillary. that I won't realize till much later because I've waited so long. So maybe I'll be dead before I realize how <laughs> Maybe I'll, I'll, I thought being married the day, the day after I became a wife, everything would be different. But you know, it's exactly the same. <laughs> Nothing changes. Oh, for sure. Except but I want something impressive to show off. You want not the- <laughs> just like a handsome guy with a big beard. I, I, I don't even care if it's fake. I want a big, uh, big ring. I almost swore. <laughs> That's okay, Hillary. Sometimes the occasion warrants that. <laughs> uh, okay. Is that I, so wrong? No, like, it, no, it's not wrong. Uh, and a lot of people ask me that. Like, why is being married so important to you? You're already like almost forty. It shouldn't matter at this point. You're with somebody you care about. But it it does matter for me because I always wanted to have like the kids and the family and the marriage. It just never happened. Uh, That's what happens when you date losers. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I would say you're better for it because imagine if you married one of those losers. That's misery. Well, I'd have half his crap. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Sometimes losers have good crap. Right. Yeah. Maybe a child. Okay. Do you need me to work an angle with your boyfriend or anything like to start to start being subtle? Or have you been already dropping your hints? Because you're pretty. I haven't really been dropping hints. He knows how I feel about it. He's been making a lot of jokes about how he's going to have to come up with some sort of way to uh, get me a ring I won't lose or break because I lose everything. <laughs> But that's a dangerous road that he's traveling too, because when you start making jokes like that, there is a promise that a ring is coming. And if a ring doesn't come, then, you know, that's also very painful. I think he realizes that eventually the ring will have to come because like he's got two kids. They ask a lot of questions and uh, he knows where I stand on this. Right. So it's just so, a matter of getting him prepared and ready. And like there's no timeline. I'm not going to set a Well, apparently ultimatum. there is. Apparently there is, Hillary. You <laughs> yeah. said 50. If he can't make it happen in 12 years. Honestly, we've then got some problems. It's just not going to work out. <laughs> Okay, Hillary. I feel like you're, you've been more than fair with this guy. <laughs> but there is the problem. Like he's very concerned about this ring thing because my nickname is Ramrod. <laughs> Ramrod, <laughs> <laughs> which sounds far more dirty than it is. But it's just that I'm klutzy and I'm kind of rough with things. Like I'm the person that slams the car door, slams the microwave. Like I'm in the bathroom. I don't place the toilet seat down. I knock it down. I just like So you have a my life is very loud and, and he calls me Ramrod. Yeah. He basically thinks that I only I could crack a diamond. <laughs> and you you're like, well give me one and we'll find out. Right. You you don't even know how careful I can be. <laughs> Let me prove it to you with that $100,000 diamond you're going to get me. And I was like, you know, there's insurance. He's like, "Mm -mm, not for that. (laughs) Not for taking bad care of things. So are you worried that now your diamond is going to just get crappier because he's worried that you're going to lose? You're going to get like a Walmart ring? I don't care. (laughs) Honestly, it's not about what it is. It could be as long as it looks impressive. I don't care if it's real. (laughs) As long as you could say, ladies, look what I've got on my finger. And you can like get a good Instagram story out of it. (laughs) Get me a synthetic, something that was made. I don't care. Okay, that's good. I like that your standards are high, but they're kind of low at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, first of all, I don't really like 
conflict diamonds. I'm not down with that. Okay. Oh, so, yeah, of course. I'm okay with synthetic, actually. Okay, good. And you know what? Crystals are also good. Swarovski's a great uh, looking Not ring. hard enough for this girl. <laughs> <laughs> I have cracked a Swarovski before. You're right. Yeah. Mm-mm. It's not going to work. <laughs> you're right. I've, I've seen you drinking. <laughs> You'll crack it the first night. The arms. I'm a big talker, too. The <laughs> arms wave. Like, I, I think it's going to have to be in like protective gold <laughs> or silver sort of ring because I could also... Someone could lose an eye if my arms start going oh, when no, I talk. Can. I have a mental image. You know when you go by car dealerships and they have those big blow-up things that flail in the wind <laughs> and the arms are flying? That's kind of you when you drink and you're talking. <laughs> That's amazing. And they fall over and get back up. Oh and my they fall God. over yeah, no. and they get back up. Yeah, the boyfriend's not wrong. We need to put you in protective bubble wrap for sure. <laughs> in so. one of those. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So what's on your bucket list? Um, you know what? I, I I actually thought about that considerably. There's a lot of things that I want to achieve before I turn 50, which also is never going to happen. But it, when I do turn 50, I have one thing on my bucket list, and that's to to be the day I turn 50, which, again, is never going to happen. But if it does, I will. I want to be able to say, girl, you've never been better. I want to be able to say that. That's all I want. So I. And, but what indicates better? Uh, well, I think mental You're not giving you, a crap. <laughs> I'm get. I'm well on my way. I'm getting there. Except for the airplane incident. For the other things, I'm. I'm. My don't give a crap factor is pretty high right now in life. Okay. That I don't worry too much about that stuff. Uh, I have all my in terms of the relationships I have in my life. All, I've cut the fat. I really have. I have. I only so, surround myself with great people. By some miracle, I'm still speaking to yet, you. Yet we still have a podcast. <laughs> we but, had to take a break last week, but <laughs> back this week. So there's that. But I also want to get a hold of my weight because my winter weight, I was doing really great. And then I wasn't doing really great. And right. because there's been a lot of changes in my job, I didn't even realize that I've been stress eating for the last three months. Do you and, know what I call winter weight? What? Winter wait until winter wait until spring and deal with it then. <laughs> well, now it's springtime and I got a problem, Hillary. I got a big problem. I got a, I've only gained five pounds, but it just right. feels like this five pounds is I can't I can't get it off of me. And then when I'm on my way to losing five pounds, then I'll start eating again, or or worse, I'll get into the wine, and I'm just in this ugly place of gaining and losing the same five pounds, which has always been my problem. I know what to do. I just fall short in the execution. Why is it so important for you to be skinnier? Like, is it is it vanity or is it health? My health is great, actually, and I do go to the gym and I'm I live a I eat very clean Monday to Friday. Saturday and Sunday are the problem. I should Mm -hmm. say Friday night and Saturday are the problems in my life. My problem is that I just don't like the way I feel in clothes. My problem is that I like fashion and I don't like the way things are fitting me right now. And you're not willing to buy new clothes to adjust. Right. And I don't like, you know, I'm, I'm a size 16 and I Me don't, too? I'm, I'm a size 16 and I'm gr- and growing rapidly. <laughs> so I want to live in a world where I'm a size 14 because for me, I've always, I've been a Do size. Do you think if you were a size 14, you would actually be happy? Yeah. 
It's uh, for me going to a designer. Some, I mean, I'll buy a lot of um, dresses at the Bay, for example. The Bay will go up to size fourteen with designer dresses, but then after that, you're in another world. It's very hard to find a nice dress. That Some bothers me. Some designers go a little bit bigger. They depends. do. They do. But then you're just your option. You don't have the options that you do at a size fourteen. And I hate that because I I just hate that I have to buy specialty dresses at sixteen. I hate it. And I just want to, I just have, I know that I'm not, I've been a size 12, actually not that long ago, uh, like eight years ago, seven, eight years ago. And I felt that my head was too big for my body. (laughs) (laughs) So you're looking for a nice medium 14. I, a 14 is my perfect size. I still have junk in the trunk. I don't mind jiggling when I walk. And you're tall. You carry it very differently than say someone my height would carry a 14. I still look chubby. Uh, I am five, six. I thought, you know what? I thought you were taller because you carry yourself like you're taller. You do. Maybe, like maybe five, six and a bit, but yeah. Yeah, I'm 5'10". So, right. yes. So and it I, looks different on you than it does on me. Okay. And I, I get that I'm, I'm just, I'm built like a giant rectangle and I'm okay with it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe that's the it's difference. Like I have no shoulders. Sandra is built, you're top heavy. I'm built like a linebacker, I've always said. I mean, I wish there was checking in radio because I would win. <laughs> I love violence. Um, I love that you call me top heavy. Are you trying to say that I have big knockers? You do. No, but I'm saying like you're built like a upside down triangle and I'm (laughs) built like a right side up triangle. (laughs) Wait, I'm built like an upside. What's an upside down triangle? So like the wide parts at the top and then you come down. Right. Okay. And I'm I see. built the other way. <laughs> so we're like weird pyramid schemes. Yeah. Like if saying. you took some of my hips and put them on you, and I took some of your boobs and put them on me, we'd be the perfect woman. We'd be perfectly proportioned. Right. Because I've always felt my ass comp- was the only reason that I don't tip over. <laughs> you don't have a big bum. No, it's flat, but it sure is mm-hmm. wide. It's the perf- it is a perfect square. In fact, I'll show it next time. I would like. I'm actually kind of proud of the fact that it is a perfect square. It's it's scientifically speaking <laughs> and mathematically speaking, it's spectacular. It really is, but it is flat <laughs> AF. <laughs> but it, again, there's balance. Everything balances, right? And that's why we right. don't fall over. But anyway, that that I'm is like my a ba- weeble. Do you remember those? They don't fall over. Weebles wobble, but they don't fall they down. Don't like fall I always down. just kind of roll back up. You know, you do fall down <laughs> when you're drunk, though. I think we still. No, but that. then I just kind of roll back oh, up. I'll roll back up. <laughs> <laughs> I wish it was as delicate as that. You just literally pop back up, and you're like, "I'm back, guys. It's fine." <laughs> Everything's fine. So, Hillary, that's what I want. I want to be at, at before I turn 50, but I'm never going to be 50. I want to be able to say I'm my best self. So that's 20 more pounds. I'd like to lose 20 pounds. That's my number. Maybe you should just focus on being less of a B. <laughs> well, that brings me to the second thing on my bucket list. And I'm not kidding when I say this. I want to learn the art of subtlety. Because I, I don't Good know. Good luck. I am, when, like if, if you someone said, do I look fat in these pants? My answer would be, hell yeah. <laughs> like I just don't know how to say anything except to just say it. And I like, you know, I, shout out to my friend Deb, makes a, gets a podcast mentioned again, is, has, has really shown me there is a kind way to speak to people in which I am not well versed. And I would just like to learn how to be subtle Tell, tell you be, tell you what you need to hear, not lie, but just say it in a way that you don't walk away feeling like crap. But is that manipulative? 
No, like, being kind. I think it is. No, I don't it, think so. There's a way. There, I don't know. I feel like it's a little bit manipulative. If you're going to be upfront, if you actually have feelings about something, you should be able to say what you want to say without having to kind of be backhanded or make people think that you're nice. And then they leave and they're like, Hey, well, she actually insulted me. <laughs> Here's a question. If it let's say, okay, let's say someone said, do you look fat on those pants? I would say, yeah. And, but dad would say, you know, it's not your best look. I mean, you, it, you've said you can't you have even to do say that girl without, no, I can't. Have you met me? I'm working <laughs> on it. I told you the art of subtlety. Is there not a, is there a book I should read? I just, you know, even when I want it, I, if I'm in a meeting at work and instead of like even talking to my boss, I, I don't know how to just be nice. I'll just say, no, I'm not doing that. I mean, there's just, I need. But see, I, I wish I a, could be more like you. That's what I need. I need to learn to say no. And I can't. Well, let's talk about that for a second, because we addressed this a couple of weeks ago privately. But now but now that we've got microphones in our face, we should talk about it. <laughs> you were telling me that you spread yourself way too thin. I'm a can I say the S word? I'm a commitment slut. <laughs> well, that's problematic. I can't say no. Why not? Because I am terrified of letting people down. I care too much that people like me and they think that I'm doing a good job. And I know I get manipulated by people because they realize that's the case. They know that you won't say no. So then they start taking advantage. Right. So if you know that that's happening and you know that their their intentions aren't pure, why wouldn't you just say I'm not available? Because I have the biggest fear of missing out. Oh, and you're worried about what, what people will say about you? What people will say, maybe I do need to be there. Maybe if I don't go, I'm going to get fired. Or that person's not going to like me. Or I'm not going to be part of this group of friends. I don't know. It's messed up. I need to stop giving a crap and learn to say no. Yeah, what about events when like a... a- clients and oh I don't want to get into the muck of the radio business but you there's know there's a pe- lot of events there's a but- lot of events and but you know people ask me to go to things and I if I can't make it I say I can't make it I will change my plans for the most part unless they tell me right up front it's not important that you're there okay wow so you get taken advantage of a lot that's good to know I'm going to write say that down not so much at work my work is very good but with other commitments friends needing help with this or that like I would rarely say no so if I was moving and I said Hillary can you help me even though I knew you were busy you would probably change your plans to help me oh absolutely or I'd give you another option for another time I could help you uh, I would totally lie and say I was busy <laughs> I would help you move, actually. I totally would. But yeah, I know what you're saying. Saying that's a a lot of women have that issue, Hillary. That's a people pleasing girl thing. Right. Yeah. We've all been brought up to think that, you know, if if we don't do the, the, you know, the right things that people don't like us and we want to please our mothers and our fathers and we want to be good girls. So we should always say yes. And I think, too, because I don't have children. I feel this overwhelming obligation to be there for other people who do or uh how can I say no when other people are doing things and they have families? Do you do it also because you think that if you do something good, eventually that'll come back to you? Or is it not about what you'll get out of it? I don't think it's about what you'll get out of it, because as we've all learned, life is a series of disappointed disappointments. <laughs> like it never comes back around. Whoever said karma is real lied. <laughs> I, 
are you? Would you say you're disappointed ninety percent of the time, a hundred percent of the time? Give me your odds here. What are your percentage? Uh, I would say I don't. I've stopped keeping score because it's just depressing. <laughs> You can't. You can't keep score in relationships. You can't because when you're a giving person, it's never going to come back equal. And if you go into anything with an expectation that there'll be some sort of return, it's just not going to happen. That's right. Well, uh, you and I... I don't know if we live our lives the same way, but I always keep my expectations as low as possible. This way, I'm never disappointed because like you, I, too, have just felt a series of disappointments in my life. So I get disappointed, yeah. but then spend a, a couple of moments just saying it's not important and you move on and you never mention it. Wow. Here and here we are. Just, <laughs> here we are. I'm <laughs> Should I list off my series of disappointments so can we, people can do, find them passive aggressively on our podcast? Do you want <laughs> Do you want to um dedicate an entire podcast to the things that have disappointed us in life cuz <laughs> I I don't know if we have the time. We had a whole list of things that we wanted to talk about today and I don't even know if we're going to get to the rest. It doesn't matter. That's uh that's just tragic. What we just talked, it's too tragic and hilarious and relatable because I think most of us are disappointed in a lot of things in our lives. And uh, we we um, we just have to roll with it. Right. Just got to roll with it. It's the way of the world. I mean, once you reach. Here's how I feel about age, because you were talking about your bucket list of 50 and being your best self. The ages of like one until 20, the world hasn't broken you yet. Like, you're still very innocent. You have a lot of hope for the world. And then 20 hits, and, like, your heart gets broken. You finish school. You realize you're going to have a really crappy job for a really long time. Right. Debt happens. Like, you just get broken and broken down. And then you spend the next 30 years learning not to give too much of a crap about it. And then you're fabulous at 50. (laughs) Yeah, that's about right. Um, yeah, that's that's not too bad, actually. <laughs> that's a really depressing outlook on the world, but it's so how I feel. You forgot to develop a drinking problem in the middle of that <laughs> right. to cope with the pain. <laughs> Maybe if I important. hadn't developed the drinking problem, it, I could have solved and figured things out by 35. <laughs> Do you know, at 35, I think you start realizing how important relationships are. And I not, thought you were going to say wine is. Oh, no, that's a given. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Uh, but relationships <laughs> become super important, especially for me, female relationships. Of Absolutely. Course, of course, your partner is important and the person you love and all that. But then you start realizing that you can't, this one person can't be everything for you. And if they are everything for you, there's so much you're missing out on because there's, there's no such thing as one person mm-hmm. being everything. So, yeah, I feel like for me, my journey has been about all the great friendships and the connections that I have had along the way and people like you that I've met and people in radio and Deb, my person. Deb, I love Deb. And, you know, all those great people. My little pocket friend. She is amazing. So I just, I'm, you know, you just, there are some good little spikes before you get 50. Oh, for sure. And learning to prioritize those things, because especially for women with families, and I think even women without, you prioritize your career because you don't have a family and your relationships often take a back seat, or maybe you're prioritizing terrible romantic relationships instead. Yes. And then you get to a point where you realize that it's really your friends and the true friends, which are difficult to find, because you really do have to mine those out. 
How about you? I'm, I'm at a point where everybody in, is in my life. I want them to be in it. And I have I have cut the fat. And believe me, it wasn't easy, but I did. Uh, are you have you cut the fat in your life? I think by nature of moving places, I'm a little bit behind. So I moved to London three years ago and I had an incredible group of friends up north where I was living before. And I really didn't want to leave, but I had a great career opportunity. And we stay in touch, but it's not the same as having local friends. And so I'm still in the seeking out and finding, but I I am doing a regular purge. Oh, so So how do you purge? Well, I just kind of disappear. <laughs> Do you need me to be subtle and call them? <laughs> no, it just you I'm I very much believe that you meet the best people through activities and and shared things. So I get out and I do a lot of stuff, which is part of the commitment problem. But uh that's the issue. The more people you know, the more obligations you have to spend time with people, which is great, but sometimes they're not quality people. Agreed. Yeah, uh, you have to regularly do a call. Well, that's uh, that feels like there's a lot of like there's a revolving door happening in your life. Well, a little bit, but I've only been in London three years and I swear it takes two years to find your tribe. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it sounds super lame and hippie like, but it does. I got when I first moved to Ottawa and I had I I had babies. I got sucked into the world of the neighbor world. Right. Where everybody was on the street. The kids were all playing. And then I realized that I was friends with people I didn't actually like. No, they're just people that you are around and they're convenient. And same with like the kids in school and sports and stuff. Sure. You, uh, you might. Of course, you'll meet a few that you keep. Like that's how you meet the the true friends. Yeah. Through those things. But you have to be OK with being like, I don't want to be a part of this group. I like you. And I like you. And that's my problem now is none of my friends hang out together because I'm very picky about who I care about and who I invest (gasps) in. Do you not cross friend them? Like, do you not go out as a group? So you all you're in. Well, they just don't know each other yet. We're still in that thing. So now I I have to bring them together. Oh, and oh, then then that's a whole new either something great can come of that or you could have problems. Oh, absolutely. Oh, can we do a podcast on that, too? <laughs> yeah, I'll let you know how it goes. I once had a friend who didn't get along with anybody. Uh, she's not my friend anymore because she was, <laughs> she was too high maintenance. She, and right. I'm like, B, there's only one high maintenance B in this room. It's me. <laughs> like, you're too much work that you come to a party and you can't get along with other women because you're jealous because you aren't getting enough attention from me. I know I'm fabulous, but I'm not that fabulous. Settle right. down. There's enough of me to go around. I'm a size 16 girl. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> <laughs> Grab a boob and sit back. That's right. <laughs> Settle. And she treated, I that, I knew she couldn't be my friend because she she didn't treat my friends well. And I thought, right. no, e- even even if you they weren't my friends, the fact that you would walk into a room and treat anybody poorly is not okay. That's just not okay. I don't want to be associated with that. Thank yeah, you. Thank at least you so be much. subtle about it. Take my class. <laughs> Hills, I think our work is done today. I, feel like I don't this even know like, what we talked about. It, it was a whirlwind of fun. Um, it was a whirlwind of fun. I'm glad we had a chance to catch up. Um, we may or may not have uh, guests coming up on The Quick and the Dirty. I feel like um, this is like a, could be a weekly therapy session <laughs> at this point. There's so many things we need to talk about. Uh, I want to hear more about the culling of the friends, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's interesting. It really is. And... I have an interesting perspective on how to meet friends and how to make good friends and meet good people. 
Because okay. I, I work with a coworker who has had the same friends since they were in school. I think that tends to happen with guys. And they never seek out beyond that friend group. And I, I think we should talk about friends and making them. Okay. Done. Agreed. All right. Break. Break. <laughs> love you, girl. I love you too. Mwah. And don't forget to follow The Quick and the Dirty on social. Instagram, at Hillary on air, at Sandra Kiss 105.3. Twitter, at Hillary Welch, at Sandra Kiss 105.3. And Facebook, at Quick and Dirty Podcast. If you've got a question for us, you can email us at thequickandthedirty at gmail.com.